Clink, clink. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. How you doing there, Mr. Finley? I'm doing all right, Mr. Finley. Oh, yeah. We are in the house, ready for a little more of this verbal jazz we do. Ready? Okay, let's go. Yeah, we have our um, <laughs> our um, new matching mugs that my sister mm-hmm. got us. Absolutely. Uh, man. After hearing one of our episodes, she got us matching <laughs> mugs that say, meh. Thus, we accessorize for you folks. I think at home. it's fairly accurate, actually. Yeah, not too bad. How's your week been? I feel a little insulting. Oh, my week's been uh, been okay, man. Not bad. A little Saturday action. Had a great fucking show. Boom. Yep. Sunday picked up a new hobby, a little golf, Which is? frisbee disc golf thingy. That's right. We're now Boom. Finley's disc Sling. golf nerds slinging that thing twenty-ish feet at a time. Oh yeah. Well, here's what happened um, after I left you after mm-hmm. our disc golf adventure. Mm-hmm. I went for a run, which turned out to be my last run for a while. Oh. And again, this is starting to be a theme, about seven miles <laughs> in. It's not that. Not the oh, same thing. Oh, man. No, no, no. made a break for it. Go, let's go. I gotta go. About seven miles in, I um, corrected my course mm-hmm. and fell oh. like wildly. Oh, okay. twisted my ankle. Hysterically? Okay. And um, hmm. after I sort of hit the ground, I was like, oh! I looked around to see what I had twisted my ankle on. I'm going to pass you this picture, Tommy. Good Lord. What is that? No, I took a picture because no one would believe me. <laughs> but the, I tripped over a dead, a dead dog. Dog, nice. I tripped over a dead fucking dog. Excellent. Yep. All right. So that's how my week's wow. been. Well, okay. Yeah, there you go. I've been that's... recuperating from dead dog fall. Dead dog fall. Wow. Shit, man. Well, uh, could have been worse. Could have been worse. Yep. You could have fallen on it. I did fall on it. Oh. <laughs> no, fine then. Okay. <laughs> so it could have been worse. <laughs> you know, you could have twisted your ankle, Joe. I mean, it could have been. Oh, wait. Fuck. He did. Oh, uh, son of a bitch. Ah, well, so much for uh, fucking bringing you down a little. Just, just humbling you a little bit with your fucking dreams of the long distance runner, my friend. But you'll be back on that horse pretty soon, I'm sure. No, your horse. You, you had to say horse, didn't you, you <laughs> motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, three and a half years ago, two, three horses tried to kill me on the highway. <laughs> fucking did a animals are not my. I love animals. Now that I'm I'm older, I actually love animals. Oh, you used, used to hate animals. I used to hate animals, and I grew into a, a person who loves animals. And oh, they was, was were ve- waiting for me. He was vegan for a while. Oh my god, <laughs> fucking, they fucking don't like oh, me. No, animals. No, they fucking ambushed you in a car. <laughs> like, you know how much I hate this fucking human. I'm gonna go yeah. headbutt his car at six yeah. eight. All right. Fuck. Wow. I wish. Yeah, I don't know if pictures of that car wreck, but that's pretty fucking impressive, as I recall. Me and a certain director named Wolps um, <laughs> really hate horses. <laughs> okay. And you started um, off loving them. So, anyways. So, we're talking. We're talking some smack. We're some smack. All right, new smack. episode of Finley's on Film. Uh, a little Ernest Borgnine. Fucking hey, man! Let's bring it out. Let's go. Let's go with like the last great fucking troglodyte movie star of Hollywood. I'm thinking actually, you know, to mm-hmm. boost our um, listenership, we could, we could disguise our show mm-hmm. as other shows that are actually listened to. Okay. Welcome to last podcast on You're the movie. You're listening to the Finlup. <laughs> <laughs> the Finley last podcast is on the left. Let's go. Yeah, I did a little um, uh, research on on um, Mr. Borgnine. Yeah, okay. And he now he was born in in uh, Connecticut, mm-hmm. an Italian neighborhood, and sure. he uh, was in the Navy. 
He was sort of yes, a... Yes, that's right. He was, he was he, a squid. He went to the Navy, and he, after leaving the Navy in 1937, was arrested and convicted mm. and sent to Danbury State Penitentiary in Connecticut for a sexual crime Get off. against a young lady. And it was actually there in Danbury State Penitentiary that he first learned about acting. Oh, okay. Well, anal rape and acting all at the same time. Wow. Good Lord. That's great. I guess you got to look like you look, look like you love it. Say yes and. Actually, none of that's true. No, okay. He actually... What? Um, what the fuck are you doing? I don't know. It's sort of a continuation because last week I, I claimed that Alan Ladd... Now, this was an honest mistake. Um committed suicide by gunshot apparently it was an overdose which oh. is a lot easier an overdose, to, it was an overdose of gunshot <laughs> an overdose of bullets yeah <laughs> that's easier to sort of mistake as a as a sort of um, non-suicide but anyway yeah no so he came back he came back to um connecticut was um sort of uh, um directionless yep. and his apparent he moved back in with his parents mm-hmm. and his parents were not excited about that <laughs> and his mother finally just told him you sh- you're such a ham you should be an actor and he, he just Took her word for it and became an actor. Is that right? And according to, and his father was not pleased. Mm. Yeah, and, and what father would be pleased? Right. Yeah, my son's going to go be an actor. Yeah, fuck yeah, son. fuck that. Yeah. So, um, uh, and then according to him, like less, like nine years later, Grace Kelly was handing him an Oscar. Nice. So, yeah. So, uh, but, and let, let me let me put it eighty uh, in nineteen like the mid eighties. My friend get, gave me this uh, gave me a video of this um, in the mid eighties. He did like some kind of it was like a half an hour special mm-hmm. of uh, Ernest Borgnine on the road, and apparently he had like a Madden mobile. <laughs> Oh what? Oh, and, like Madden, like John, John, John Madden, Madden who's like, a, who was afraid to fly, so had this like uh, condo on wheels, basically. right? Basically, yeah, condo on yeah. wheels. It even had it had like marble steps leading into no, the bus. Borgnine's dead. Yeah, Borgnine's dead. Why? Uh, well, because he just like because he was. He he was that crazy enthusiastic guy that you sometimes see in some of the movies that yeah. they play. Like he just loved shit, and he would he would he was in love with America like, mm-hmm. in the, in the most mundane fashion possible. So this. Yeah. This special was like just like it was a half an hour long or something like that, and he just travels around and he's like he's just he's a happy go lucky dude eating drinking in coffee shops like shitty coffee, and uh, at one point he goes into uh, Wisconsin. He's trying he's busing through Wisconsin, pulls into like the world's largest shoe factory. Yep. At the time, as he pulls into the world's largest shoe factory, like one of the foremen walks out and goes, "Hey, you're back." What the fuck? What? what do he you had mean? been there before. Like, he oh wanted to, no! He wanted to show this place, especially for this. Off special. to the video cameras. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Amazing. I'm pretty sure that's why nobody. I, I'm pretty sure that that's why this wasn't turned into a series of any kind. You know, he seems like there are <coughs> Hollywood stars, like Spencer Tracy, always comes to mm-hmm. mind. Who who always seem like they'd be um, friendly people. Like they'd be good to be friends with. Yeah. But yeah. Borgnine seems like he, you could be friends with him because he's that unexciting. As a person, right? <laughs> like he, he probably would like, accept your well, friendship. His friendship is also there. There, I think there's also like uh, there's that level of enthusiasm that somebody can have in a friendship that can yeah. be almost menacing, a little bit. And I think he yeah. might, have, he might have had that a little bit. He, he was like that. He was on a um, a news program, like a morning news program. Now I'm not making this up. Mm. It's YouTubeable. Um, you know, Good Morning Atlanta or something. Mm. And uh, this is maybe five years before he died. So he's he's in his eight late eighties and. 
and the 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 anchors the morning you know the story have you seen that? please go ahead no. the morning anchors are um <laughs> giving him that old routine like you're 88 years young uh-huh. how do you do that sort of humiliating <laughs> thing and he's just going along with it and then when they ask him like how do you stay so young for the second or third time mm-hmm. he looks at one of them and then whispers but whispers loudly so it's kind of weird like what were you thinking and says <laughs> I masturbate every day. Nice. That's you. That's on YouTube. Like oh, you can see that. Fuck. I, 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 when you were saying it, I was hoping he was going to go like, I eat pussy a lot. But masturbate, that's good. I'll take that. That's nice. I think about the 30s when I was arrested for that sexual <laughs> predatory Assault. crime. Some weirdo in Fresno is going to make this story up later. It's going to be amazing. So um, I'm. we're going to talk about a couple of Ernest Borgnine oh, I love, films. I, 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 just, I love Ernest Borgnine. There's something about you know, this guy that... That has that. He's got that jolly thing, and he can also pull menacing off like a motherfucker. He's a little bit like Burl Ives. I don't know if you've ever seen any movies with Burl Ives. I have, yeah. Burl Ives. Big is Country like, is, the, the, big, is the menacing Burl well, Ives. Well, almost everything I've ever seen him in in a movie, he was just a menacing, evil-looking motherfucker. Big mm. time in the Big Country, but also yeah. uh, Desire Under the Elms. Like, just an evil fuck when he needed to be, and like the nicest guy in but the world. But he's, he's the voice of the snowman on Rudolph, right? The narrator, uh, narrator that does snowman. kind of fuck up my story. <laughs> <laughs> that fucks up my narrative a yeah, little well, bit. Borgnine could also make... Um, Intolerable things, tolerable like McHale's Navy. Oh yeah, in the early 1960s. Was it fucking Willard <laughs> was it? Was that what the, the one he was Maybe. in with the rat? You know who found him very intolerable, and and he she was was his third wife, whom mm. whom he was married to for 32 days. That's um, oh fuck, Esther. Who's the the swimmer? Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, no, Ethel Merman. Ethel? Really? He was married to Ethel Merman? Ethel Merman. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to look that You're up. You're making me come more, Ernest. <laughs> oh, my God. Ethel Merman. Good I think Lord. that's right. I know. And, and, and I, when she's they, a swimmer, right? She's a singer-dancer. But I who's the swimming swimmer. star? I don't fucking know, dude. Uh, I, this is like the misinformation yeah. episode. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to shit we Sorry. don't know anything about. We're going to talk about anyway. But, it, but what we do love is we know about is our love for Ernest Borgnine. But go ahead. Oh, there's this other this other great thing, uh, which is uh, he was in, it was Ben or Willard. I don't remember what it was. Yep. Just some bullshit movie about like a rats or insects rats or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And, every, and, and it was just, it looked like a turkey and it was an incredible yep. turd of a movie. Mm-hmm. And he took like straight salad. And he, apparently, like later on, like near his, near the end of his life, he would, in interviews he would say his one regret in Hollywood is that he didn't take points on that fucking thing. Yeah, because it turned out to be a huge success. Well, he's also got the he's classic. So it's like um, I think the modern person is is um, oh I can't think of anyone's name. Who's the fucking guy? Everyone does an imitation of the elephant. No, uh, uh, fuck wait, it. Uh, hold on, uh, I, uh, Busey. I, no, I I kept that. That goddamn watch up my ass for yeah, seven yeah. years. What's his name? Uh, freaking um, that guy. <laughs> well, okay, so walking Christopher. Christopher Walken, uh, he he sort of notoriously will only work for two weeks on any film, and he gets eight hundred thousand dollars. That's his only deal. Now, Michael Keane sort of classically uh-huh. has done like a back and forth. He's you know, in, in his prime anyway, he would do like one good film, right, and then one absolutely shitty film for the money. There was a time in the 80s where like every movie, shitty or not, was had a Michael Caine appearance in it. Yep, yep. Yeah, okay. So Borgnine sort of strikes me that way too because actually, to be honest with you, most of his films are kind of shitty. I just find mm-hmm. him to be a comfortable actor. Yeah, yeah, he brings something to it. Yeah. The, the Wilford Brimley of his day. Uh, like just, uh, just a solid... 
Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm talking shit. All right, let's move <laughs> and on. Diabetes. Well, let's get diabetes. Well, okay, so mm, so um, Borgnine had done at this point, you know, at three or four films before the one we're going to talk about. He had um, sort of broken through in 1953, two mm-hmm. years earlier, uh, in From Here to Eternity. From Here to Maternity. Fatso. Oh yeah, he yeah. was fucking great. Think you're Again, tough little monkey. Evil, evil fucker in this yep. movie. Evil yeah. and piano playing and 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 Hawaiian shirt wearing. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So the same year well, that's as that's a particular this film, kind of evil right there. Man. Oh, I've seen it on you, Tom. Oh, oh man, with and the piano playing. But that's just me headbutting a piano. Early in 1955. <laughs> <laughs> Tickling the ivories with that's my skull. Right. <laughs> that's what I do, kids. Um, 1955, earlier on, he'd, he'd done, I think, a great, remarkable job. He'd out-menaced, uh, to my opinion, Lee Marvin in Bad Day of Black Rock. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was great. He's that. fucking great. And then he gets this... Maybe his first like starring film role mm-hmm. in Marty. So we're talking Patty Chayefsky's screenplay. Yeah, Patty Chayefsky, he's a is a Finley alumni right there. He's adapted the screenplay from his teleplay, right, which is the uh, year was before it, or something. Uh, Playhouse ninety, I think yes. originally aired. I, I don't know who was it. Uh, Rod Steiger. Okay. Ron Steiger. Steiger. Originally, now that's an interesting, okay, interesting little fact. Patty Chayefsky wrote it. It was a Jew fan. It was a Jewish family uh, mm-hmm. for the TV, and it was considered a little too ethnic, mm. so they made it Italian for the movie Marty. That's funny. It's funny the how the Italians have sort of like Irish are people, and the Italians have really sort of wormed our way. Yes, we're right out of officially white now. Yes, I guess right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So okay, so um, 1955's Marty. Yes, for Marty. which he won the Academy Award. And well, he should have, I think. Yeah. I think it was a great movie. It was a great movie. Yep. Amazing screenplay, of course. Fucking Patty Chayefsky. What yep. can you do there? Uh, good acting, solid acting. Yeah. It's and it's um, it was kind of it's a, a, and a nice. It's one of those heartwarming. It's a heartwarming story, and it's a heartwarming story that doesn't make you feel cheap. No, not at all. It's, not at all. it's, it's uplifting. No, there's for no sure. cheating. Yeah. Yeah. In this one, it's realistic. You get it. You know. Sorry about that. No, that's all right. Uh, it's realistic. It's beautiful. I mean, Marty is. Um, he's a you know he's a nebbishy. Sort of not very attractive guy, and it's like, not very attractive. I think you're underplaying it, sir. Okay, he's not. He's not, he's, not he's an ugly, he's ugly, an unattractive. Well, he's unattractive. I don't know about ugly. Well, but. they took Ernest Borgnine and just didn't do anything with him. Yeah, okay, I'll grant you. And that. he's the leading man. Yeah, he's so the he's perfect man. for that film. This always this always bothers me about films where there's like a, um, a an obese person who's like very sad because mm-hmm. of how they're treated, or an old person who's fucked over for being old. Because I always think. That person is on set with people around them while that's happening. Mm-hmm. And I always feel bad for the actor who has to go through it. I kind of felt bad for Ernest Borgnine. Really? Am I crazy? Because he has to pretend to be sad? or No, because he's ugly. And in every other film, he's sort of like right for a part. You can go like, well, you're menacing or mm-hmm. you're a villain or you're a jolly man. But in this one, it's like, you are the ugly man. Nope, don't <laughs> touch him. Don't put any makeup on him. You're just perfect as you are, sir. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah, sure. I can see that. But... Uh... Ah, fucking what a what a role of a lifetime too. Oh, so so and also if you're going to talk about him, what was his, his castmate? Um, Betsy the, Blair. The, Betsy Blair. Yeah, the woman in there. She's also uh, she's also the, uh, the the plain and homely woman. But only for that film. That's what's odd about her is because mm-hmm. she was actually a model. Yeah. And at this point, she and the point of this film, she was married to uh, Gene Kelly. Really. Yes. Nice. Okay. Who she now? This is again. This is out of so her autobiography. The fuck which out I, of him. Well, she was a she was a strange one. Um, I I read her autobiography um, last year. Dish kiddo, dish. <laughs> well, several this things. This is going to so, be great. Ring so she had this ding. first husband, Gene Kelly, and and who was like she was a, a straight up communist. 
Really? And but but Jean Kelly was like an acceptable liberal during the time of McCarthyism, right. so mm-hmm. she could sort of strangely hide Behind. in plain sight with him sure. as opposed to not being with him. And sure. she also intimates fairly strongly something we've all thought about Gene Kelly, which is that he may in fact have been a homosexual. Yeah. <laughs> so she was his beard as well. Anchors indeed. Yeah. She was his beard and he was her mustache. <laughs> her big, big Joe Stalin mustache. But the other part is, and I think I'm remembering this right, mm-hmm. but I lay no but that's never claim stopped. to the that, truth. That apparently hasn't stopped. That she sexually assaulted off. a young Ernest Borgnine in Danbury, Connecticut. No, that she was, <laughs> she was a bit of a swinger. Really? Yeah. And so that there was all kinds of sort of shenanigans going on there. That Ernest Borgnine was, in fact, the, the most straight-ahead wow, person connected to our to story here. Getting like spit roasted <laughs> at a communist fucking yeah, youth meeting. She was the middle of the letter H. <laughs> so um, anyway, so to get back to our story here, um, Marty is a story of Ernest Borgnine as a butcher. Yes, he is a butcher. He's a successful butcher. He's even thinking about um, uh, transitioning from to opening up his own butchery, yeah. his butcher business. Now, now it's kind of what's kind of funny is what's happening. Also, is they're talking about there's this little subplot going on there, which is like the the growth of the sort of large chain supermarket that's going on at the time that's driving butchers out of business. So, it's just post World War II, right? Yeah, Baby boom time. This area, this era right here. This where is they're coming up with like the super clean supermarket situation is being invented at this time. And this is Brooklyn, I believe. Are they Brooklyn or Queens? But it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's one of the outer boroughs. It's, it's boroughs, New York. Okay, so maybe the Bronx. Who the fuck knows? Yeah. But yeah, something. Wherever the Jews were at that time. So Queens, let's so, go. <laughs> so he's a butcher, and and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, we get right from the beginning that he's the nicest guy in the world. But yeah. even his customers sort of set us up for. When are you going to get, get married? married? You're 30 right. years old. Aren't you ashamed of yourself? Mm-hmm. You should be married like your brother. He's being, he's being, he's being bullied. He's being, he's being uh, marriage shamed. And it's very, very clear that he's been hearing this forever. Oh, yeah. And he lives with his widowed mother. Mm-hmm. And he's just rolling his eyes half the time here. And he takes care of her. And everyone yeah. else has moved on. The brothers and sisters have moved on to their own lives. Right. The cousin who mm-hmm. lives nearby with his young he's wife. He's the good guy who's staying home, taking care of mom, and being the, being the dependable child. But also... It's very clear, even before this is revealed in, in dialogue, mm-hmm. it's very clear that, that he's dependable, but a little dependent himself emotionally. Yeah, he's a little, well, yeah, he's a little codependent. And yeah. maybe, a, maybe like, if in another movie he would be like, he'd, we were kind of fucking around about this earlier, mm-hmm. he'd be a great serial killer. Yeah. Like Marty would be like the part, like oh, a Marty John the Wayne, character. Yeah, he'd be killer. like a John Wayne Gacy sort of a Well, guy. because of what we know now fucking, about repression, right? right? get away from it for fucking years. <laughs> well, that's, have a basement filled with women's left shoes. That's what's great about this film in a way it's a little mature for its time i think i think so and yeah. it's because i think at the time everyone would have just seen oh sad you know mm-hmm. oh the story of an ugly man right. why can't we be have more depth and but by actually, the end this- of it he'd be balls deep and his girlfriend and they'd be on their way to getting married and none of that none of that easy shit happens in this well but no also but this film that takes that premise and immediately explores the idea that um he is he does have a lot of repression he does yeah. have a lot of like oh, yeah. anger and rage and sadness mm-hmm. over his fact and he has to do everyone else emotional labor by sort of oh thank you well right. I'll, I'll, when I find the right girl um, right. and and so if if life has enabled him in some sort of way or, he, or he's an enabler to his mother or whatever it is he also has this group of friends who are the ultimate Just sort of 7-Eleven parking lot douchebags <laughs> 
but who also and, enable each other. And some of the and some of the lines that they trade are like I think they're not just us between us classic lines of that type yeah. and stereotype. I think they've sort of made it out into pop culture to a certain so, extent. So the, what, you gonna, what are we going to do tonight? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What do you, you want to do? do tonight? You know what I think we should do? Let's go look at broads. You know, <laughs> I tell you, you know who's a hell of a writer? That Mickey Spillane. Uh, He's always got a dame falling for him. God damn! And Mickey Spillane sucks a huge nut. I cannot stand that fucking writer. But that's beside the point. I tried. I really tried with him. Okay, but it's, yeah, I mean, that is sort of beside the point. The point really yeah, is really, that, that there are two conversations happening in this guy's life all the time. And it's mm. a larger culture that's telling him, why don't you get married? And then his friends who are sort of enabling him to never right. take well, a risk or do anything in his life. Live this easy, wonderful life of horrible loneliness. Go to the butcher shop. Every night. Work six days a week. Come mm. back. Have two beers with your buddies. Mm-hmm. Um, watch Talk. a little bit of the game. Go home to mother. Yeah. Sit on the porch. Good night. And, and and in between all these, well, some with some frequency, unsuccessful attempts to connect with women. Right. You know, the very humiliating phone call he makes uh, to, <laughs> to some woman he met in the movie theater three weeks earlier. Mm-hmm. And it's that sort of like, well, you're, what do you mean? You're washing your raccoons tonight. Well, what about next Saturday? What about the Saturday after that? What about? And it's, oh, uh, it's, it's, it's painful. Really? Is. You know, the other thing, let's not forget about this too. The movie is called Marty and it's about Marty. But there's a subplot going on at the same time, which deals with his mom and her insecurities. Yeah. At the same time, there's this thing about her sister who's living with her ch- with with that with that woman's children yeah. and, and needing to get the fuck. They need her to go away, and she needs to get the fuck away because it's very unhealthy in that situation. Yes. And so the mom is at the same time feeling, you know, on the, on the cusp of what you know, my children are raised. What am I gonna do if Marty leaves? Right. Yeah. And so there's that little bit of insecurity there. So she accidentally, more or less, she she caves to that and sort of plays a little bit on his weakness as well. She does. So, you know, so it's about, it's mostly about his insecurity, but it's also about her insecurity and her taking advantage of him to a certain yeah, extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I just had a painful memory. Do you mind if I, oh, yeah, this just sort of unleashed a painful memory. Did, did this right after you fell over the dog? <laughs> no, this is from when I was 14. Whoa. When I was, uh, uh, no, this is perfect because today is Sunday yeah. and I believe it's Oscars are on tonight. So this is a, a Oscar related story. And uh, it's this, when I was very We're time traveling, when I was very young, <laughs> When I was very young, I used to make um, construction paper cutouts of little Oscars, and then I would make, <laughs> I would make the family great. vote their ballots, uh-huh. and then I would pass them out. Mm-hmm. We'd watch TV and I'd say, oh, you know, father who was sure I was gay and was <laughs> sick over what I was doing. You know, no, sister. And here. Best musical, dad. What do you think? So that was like when I was seven, eight, mm-hmm. nine, ten. So it was cut to Oscar night of like when I was 14 mm-hmm. and uh, I had my, all my buddies were supposed to come over and like take me out and we we're probably going to smoke pot or something. who knows what. But so I'm waiting there. I don't know where my dad is, but my mom's there and I'm waiting and like an hour goes by. They're supposed to come by at like seven and like eight o'clock comes by and they're not there. And it's, these are the days when the, like you can call their house once. You don't want to keep calling. There's no cell phones. You can't text anyone. Yeah. So after an hour, I'm just like, oh, it's like, I can't believe my buddies just didn't show up. And They're fucking Janice Ian song at this my, point. My mother is just sort of like not saying anything, but clearly like kind of feeling bad for me. Mm-hmm. So I just, in a fit of like nostalgia, I come out of the hallway and I'm like, I'll tell you what, Ma, let's just make it our night tonight. I'll make paper Oscars and we'll watch the Oscars. And as I'm shouting this, I look over the door and my friends are <laughs> Fuck you, Bob. I'm out. <laughs> Behind the door. Deuces. I'm outies. I was humiliated. <laughs> <laughs> and 
anyway, oh, <laughs> it was God. a little bit of Marty that day. Oh, anyway, so so aren't we all so all well, of, that's the other thing too. There's a certain commonality. That's one of the things that makes this movie so good. Yep. was that there's a there's a humanity to Marty that everybody can everybody can latch yeah. a shingle on this fucking character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's a well developed character, and 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 like in classic story mode, we we have an arc to this character. He grows. Yeah. And that's the exciting ending of this movie. Well, so so then what happens is his mother sort of convinces him to um, to go to the, like some local dance uptown, oh, you know. And she's heard God, like her cousin worse. sort of recommend that Marty can go there, and, mm-hmm. and there's lots of tomatoes at this dance and so forth. They call so, women tomatoes back then. This is a great little speech that Marty gives about like, "Mom, an ugly man is no use." And finally, he just sort of gives in, puts his, his blue suit on and his tie, uh, and goes up there, and and he meets expect, the character, expecting fucking nothing, expecting nothing. He goes with his stupid friend, and they're just gonna sit and. And, and sort of sit on the sidelines like a junior com- high school and, dance. And, and then he meets the the, the spit roast commie queen of Well, Hollywood. yeah, Betsy Blair. Betsy actually, Blair. Well, the, the, and the way he meets her is he overhears <laughs> the fact that the date, the blind date that she's she is on, yeah. on abandons her because she's ugly and he's run, he, the blind date has run across a hot old number. Yep. yep. And he's it's, trying I to give other men like $5 to dance with her. Right. And in his defense, she was a hot old number. Yeah, absolutely. That girl was very attractive. She was very attractive, yeah. and Betsy Blair is is really sort of um, just down plain. She's very plain. She's, she's doing, very doing plain the Charlize plain. Theron. She's yeah. she's looking plain for the role, and and so um, it's weird. He goes over to sort of give her kind of a pity dance, and she cries on his shoulder, and it, it turns into this wonderful night and conversation about, yeah. and you know, he it, the classic line is, "I guess we're both a, a couple of dogs." Yeah, you know, he's and kind it's of like, socially inept. He doesn't know how to handle it, but also she's sort of she finds him endearing his yeah. honesty, you know, yeah. and it's like she she she's a um, like a math teacher or something and she also lives at home and he does the classic thing any one of us have done like when we're excited on a date which right. is like just talking up a storm you could just see her like her yeah, yeah i've seen that so many times. <laughs> uh, the male the ma- i think they call it the the the, the boy the male uh, fucking information assault okay right this, this is, these are things i know yeah exactly <laughs> but he's excited you're kind of on his really side you know my opinion about the, the the body of work of adam sandler that's what's going to get me some puss tonight you're on his side now his friends his loser friends are sort of out and they see him they say hello to him but he, he goes off with her and um at one point well, I don't want to give too much away, but just to say this. I, in fact, let's leave some some of the the nice details yeah, for this. But but essentially, he's got this woman and he's connected. But now a new problem comes in, and and the problem is he's pressured a by his friends right. not to be with her because it's been reported that she's a dog. Yeah, but also in the meantime. The mother has sort of seen what's happened to her sister, and right. that is her sister has been living with her children, and the mm-hmm. children have kind of had enough with her. Right. Uh, and all of a sudden, she's sort of taking back the idea that, that Marty should be free, because right. she kind of wants Marty for herself. Yeah. And it's just, the rest of the film is just like kind of resolving that issue, mm-hmm. and you're rooting for people, and it's optimistic. And, Mar- for the right and, and at the and at the and just at this right time, it's such a such a glorious moment when he just he grows up. He go, yeah. grows up that last half inch and starts taking some t- taking some responsibility for his own shit. Yeah, it's a great. That's film. a great fucking movie. I man. love this movie. Yeah, fully deserving of that Oscar. I did. Did it win the best? Did on that, best that year? picture, best actor, best director. Yeah, well played. It should have. I don't even. I say that without even knowing what the hell else was on that. Year. Well, Bad Day at Black Rock, I'm sure would have been, and mm-hmm. so we, that's a movie we both love. But Marty's just a sentimental yeah, favorite. It's so much good. Now we want to move forward to 1960. Speaking of sentimental favorites, this is a film I'd never seen. It always heard, I'd sort of really I hadn't even heard about it. Was this the first time you'd seen it? It's the first time I'd seen it. I'd, oh. I'd um, we saw it together tonight actually, and yeah. and um, it's 1960s Man on a String. Man on a String. Now, I knew the basic premise. It was a Cold War film, but uh-huh. 
Well, do you want to give some of it's the plot lines? It's a pretty, pretty fucking heavy Cold War uh, oh, propaganda. Oh, yes. <laughs> it makes no fucking bones that, that, uh, that Joe Stalin's taking a pop on the kisser. You know, it's <laughs> it's actually so heavy on the propaganda that it has to sort of come around again and try to act fair. Yeah. You know, like Russian people do have souls. And they're peace-loving. Yeah, yeah right. you know, but they're just misled we'll grant by... Them, we'll grant them that. So so, so in this so, one... Go ahead. Okay, so anyway, so uh, Borg 9 is a character uh, who's uh, Boris Mitrov, mm-hmm. the most Russian of all possible fucking names. Boris Mitrov. He has come to America as, as a younger person. Uh, he speaks perfect English. Uh, he has, he is, because he's a musician, he has somehow managed to, you know, tear out a, a good niche, a good living as a musician and a movie producer. Right. He's, he's living in Los Angeles. He's in a little production company. Yeah, he's got a little yeah. production company. He's living in L.A., living mm-hmm. the life there. Boom. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the movie, his dad comes over. And what we find out is he's been co-opted by the local KGB representative yep. to introduce people he knows to, to people who they want to spy on those people he knows. Yep. <laughs> Essentially, now and the reward is the reward is that uh, they, they they took care of his dad, and then they finally brought his dad over. They finally mm-hmm. brought him in, mm-hmm. and they're promising to bring over his brothers. Who, right. by the way, as much as Ernest Borgnine's character seems to love his brothers, their names are never actually mentioned in this movie. It's just yeah. my brothers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and so they they decide. So that's that's the carrot on the stick to keep him uh, doing what they want. So. Yep. Uh, boom. Now, meantime, the CBI, which I believe is... Would be the CIA, the right? The CIA, of course. But they change it... For no apparent, no I really... Don't know. Did you think the fucking Russians didn't know we called it the CIA back then? But, but, I mean, the Bay of Higgs was a couple of years later, and the CIA was used in newspaper headlines. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just ridiculous. Anyway, Yeah, no makes no sense. There are parts yeah. of this movie that, that, uh, that are... Parts. Some uh, <laughs> that are children of its time and place. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Go ahead. So, uh, so they, they decided they they want to double the CBI. Him back. The, the Americans C- want the to make him a double agent. Yeah, and, and they, apparently they, they they shop for their agents and like fucking like corn husker like Rose. Or something. They're yeah. all all the all the American agents are like stalwart fucking brick jawed dudes. Anyway, so they decide to co opt them and play them back against the Russians. So, I mean, the initial it, it, from <coughs> beginning to end, it, one of the things that I mean, we can go more into the plot, obviously, but I just want to sort of stop and talk about technique here. Mm-hmm. That I mean, like there are films, sci-fi films, old sci-fi films can be embarrassing mm-hmm. in that what they imagine will accept as a possibility is sort of ridiculous. Like, yeah. you know, uh, um, you know, sneakers that allow you to float. You know, but but at least it's sci-fi. Yeah. With with Cold War films, it can be really embarrassing because yeah. things like the technology, right? We're all used to like the computers in the background that have tapes and like Christmas lights going off randomly. Mm-hmm. But this is much, much worse because <laughs> they have installed, for instance, in his office and in his house these like closed circuit cameras that somehow not Pam. only change angles but like track the action <laughs> across the room. I mean, yeah. just insane. Like, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, or, it's, or it's, they're, they're, they have a listening device, and they have some <laughs> some six foot eight fucking blonde Nordic dude out in like some shrubs. It's holding like a colander <laughs> with a car antenna. It's <laughs> with with he should just be holding a sign that says "This is a listening device." Yes, fucking ridiculous. But yes. I mean, there are parts of it that are so fucking silly. Flowers by Irene, um, <laughs> fan outside. <laughs> Edible arrangements of microphones. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, um, so yeah, uh, so it's um, 
it's, it's a spy it's a spy thriller i guess so he gets turned back on the russians yeah. uh the russians take him to their bosom they actually um gets maneuvered he ends up going to moscow and meeting with the head of the well KCB. first he goes to, Ger- to germany so it's like right. very much of its time so he's in west germany and- right right and so he sneaks over he gets uh he gets but he gets brought into the fold he goes to moscow itself uh, we get to see footage of Moscow, and I want to say that there's like some kind of historical element. Like it's one of the first time there was an American camera, Hollywood camera crew in Moscow. Or yeah, although some like of it does seem clearly like stock footage. Oh yeah, some definitely B-roll shit going yeah, on well, there. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, um, I mean, and that's where they try to humanize the Russians, and it's yes. kind of nice. It's, yeah, you know, a nice Russian humanization. Yeah, although just although there's this extended scene of watching Russians on a beach. Holy fuck, yeah. that is never worth just pale fucking Slavic asses hanging out of their weird underwear. <sighs> well, I mean, the thing suits. is, it's, it's sort of a mixed time because it's 1960s so on the one hand it's like you it's it's a hollywood film mm-hmm. about the the motion picture industry mm-hmm. and sort of like the soviet union right and all that shit so so it's enough just past joe mccarthy mm-hmm. and the red scare to maybe have a little humility but we're still completely steeped in oh the hatred of the, russians the yeah. cold war mentality oh, i'm watching this fucking movie going oh fucking hate you russians. <laughs> <laughs> fucking bastards you sold us guns in russia car drive you <laughs> you ever seen um yakov smirnov uh no not you know what i gotta be i no. have to be honest with you he's and i judge him a lot from afar you know so what I they, it's a little bit of a carrot top thing in the sense mm-hmm. that like he's actually not he's kind of a good joke writer yeah he's not bad yeah i mean his jokes are good they're they're really actually the ones that i know of and are, Russia, are actually, jokes tell you yeah they're fucking they're, they're stand up but yeah. at the same time it's it's one of those things where like you know comedians get judged for working an angle too hard for too fucking long and that's definitely yep. part of the part of the deal with him same in thing branson missouri too. yeah well now he's in branson which is i don't know that's one of those things where like as a comic you know it's, if at some point i end up at branson that's almost an indication that at some point you had a fucking career to speak of. well that's the thing tommy if you if you it were offered a, like a month residency yeah, at a place in branson yeah. would you not fucking take it I in, a to, second? in a fucking second Holy shit. are you just... kidding i would take it like you know how many times I, I will appear at a local wendy's some dickhead has put a microphone in you know yeah and I've without played, the microphone oh fuck I or played, audience absolutely give me a paper hat and i'll tell dick jokes and yeah uh, serve jokes lousy fries okay so anyways we are man on a string, nineteen sixty. Can we call? Can we call this? Uh, can we just change our name from Finley's on film to to Ranging Afar? Or That's some okay. Shit? Listen, I mean, the, the off thing, topic. The thing about this film is, is talking about the plot is mm-hmm. kind of irrelevant after a while. Because to be honest with you, most sort of like foreign intrigue films, mm-hmm. there might be a moment where you're like, wait a minute, I'm not sure what's happening. That's true here, but not because it's cleverly done, because you're like. It's so badly done at times. Yeah. The the horrible sort of like um, Cold War narrator. Yeah. And meanwhile, and, and, Bru- and he is fucking overused like a mofo. But his monotone, terrible voice mm. is not a whole lot different from the voices of most of the actors mm. in this film, including Mr. Borgnine. He's mostly he. There's moments it's where he's stiff. mailing it in. There's parts where he's very charming, and I love him. Yeah. Uh, I, I this yeah this fucking it this is movie. a stiff. Here's movie. the thing: it's a spy, it's a spy movie, but it's ba- it actually works better as a documentary than as a spy movie or a historical sort of <laughs> yeah. you know footprint no, of our the, culture. You know, he's not gonna get caught you know there's no fucking real tension going on in this thing there's also they try to drum it up but it just doesn't work it's kind of the only other film i know of where he's <laughs> clearly the leading star 
There's this Marty and everything else. I mean, even he's mostly yeah. He was mostly a second banana career wise. Yeah, he made a good living as a second Absolutely. banana. Absolutely, he was great. But now speaking of which, I just want to take a just mm, back mm, off real quickly here. Banana. That's One of it. my favorite fucking second banana actors of all time is in this movie. He's been in so many movies we talked about, and I couldn't remember his name, but I found it. I, I'm looking it up now. It's Vladimir Sokolov. He plays his dad mm. in this movie. Oh yeah. He played the uh, Filipino guy in Back to Bataan, the one that they hang. That's he, him? That's him. Okay. Uh, he's also the old man in uh, Magnificent Seven. Okay. I mean, this is a guy who ranged throughout the 50s and 60s in Hollywood. Every other Playing thing. almost, yeah. <laughs> but he was the, Anthony, the unknown Anthony, Anthony Quinn, Quinn of his yeah. fucking day. And, right? and by the way, Ernest Borgnine too. Oh, yeah. Play an Italian or a Russian. I mean, he, right. a little he, he more did. limited. but yeah. He did, yeah. Yeah. yeah, much more limited. But Sokolov, of course, Sokolov is, of course, very Russian a name. So he was actually very legit. He's only, probably the only one on set who could speak Russian if he wanted to. Well, okay. So the thing is, like, I, I'm thinking of this film, and I'm thinking of like um, two years later, The Counterfeit Trader, which we talked about before. Mm -hmm. um, let's say I'm going to go f seven years later for the second in the Harry Palmer sequence, Funeral in Berlin. Okay. There are good. There are good Cold War movies. Oh yeah, very good. Very good. And Cold this War is not one movies. of them. Spy who came in from the cold. <laughs> oh, oh, of course, fuck. yeah, I mean, come great. On. So yeah, this is no. This is not it's one of them. It's just not. I mean, honestly, I, I can't even recommend it. To fill your time. This is one. Okay, so now I'm going to I'm I'm slightly disagree with you on this one, and I have no real good reason for doing it. Mm -hmm. But except to say that this is a movie I think I saw the first time when I was like eight or nine or yeah. something like that. And I just, it's just something about it that I kind of liked. It had Ernest Borgnine, who was always kind of, you know, as, a, as an ugly fat kid, yeah. Ernest Ernie was always kind of one of my heroes. So this is a movie that he starred in. And so there's a certain part of me that loves this movie. And it's just not a very good it's movie. It's not at good. All. If your sentimentality, because we have. My sentimentality very is all I have to go on with this. Of one. sentimentality. Yeah, that's true. You know, and, and, and I think the. I fucking hang out with you. The, well, the good news is our mentor, the. the um, the, the third Finley, Finley, yeah, Finley the guy uh, who Finley got us started on classic film, mostly what is sentimental for us is also a good film. Mm -hmm. Most of the time. But not always, for Some, sure. Well, no. you know, on the Some very stinkers. first episode, just as a reminder here, his, his criteria was... A VHS tape, mm -hmm. EP slow mode, mm -hmm. so you can get six hours, typically three films. Three films. Each tape dedicated to an actor or director, typically in a four or five year period. Right. So I remember that he had Marty and he had Man in a String, but he didn't have a third one because there really isn't a third one. No, there really isn't. And I never got around to Man in the String, and I know why it wasn't important to me yeah. <laughs> well, at all. I guess you psychically, you you figured it out. <laughs> the God. vibes, man. The yeah. vibes weren't there, man. Teddy wasn't going to watch that movie. So certainly, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have hate-filled venom for this movie. It's not a hateful movie. But of, of now, this is our 43rd it's episode. It's just not I'm worth the time you spent it watching it. It might be the strongest case where I'm like, don't even bother. Wait a minute. Of all the movies we've seen? S no, no. Of all the ones we've done in 43 episodes oh, oh, oh the, yeah, that's what i meant yeah oh well i didn't about. like why because even white christmas where i hated that movie it's like oh, well i wonder I just, why because of all the fairies no no well <laughs> that's the cruel thing to say, Tom. <laughs> Sorry. um that that i know that you have to see it because yeah. it's you know christmas film right exactly but this one you don't no no yeah you can go through a, you can go through a rich and fruitful life without ever having seen man on a fucking absolutely all right well that being said I, I say what the hell if you got nothing else and uh i'd see airwolf an episode of airwolf <laughs> with, with Ernest Borgnine and, and jan, jan michael vincent. vincent yes from the early 80s before oh, can't wait till we get that we, we start talking about his canon that'll be like <laughs> five years in when we just run out of people <laughs> jan michael michael <laughs> 
the mechanic, and I'm not sure what else. And we're gonna be doing John Boy Walton <laughs> movies or something. Richard Thomas and his his Aaron Neville like milk dud. <laughs> I love just, that guy. How did that motherfucker get a job in all? Who Richard Thomas? <laughs> yeah, with that fucking milk dud. Oh, amazing, he's great. Uh, okay, all right, fine. buddy. You got any uh, anything uh, to say? Nah, we're just coming check it out. Check us out, man. We're uh, we this week. We're uh, this weekend. Oh, by yeah. the end of this week, I will have. We will have uh, Finley's uh, private reserve will be up and running, and that, mm-hmm. that's for the people who join us on Patreon. Yep. Uh, an exclusive gift for them. It's two join episodes us. per month, and we've just started putting them up, but if you start um, contributing at the $5 per month mm-hmm. or more level, you'll not only get the two new episodes, the secret episodes per right. month. As you'll a have the whole archive. You'll have the archive as well. Right, absolutely. And also, I've got a website, uh, TomSmithComedy.com. Come yep. check it out if you're interested in laughing like you've never laughed before. Which is which is say, probably, probably not at all sometimes, we'll see. Uh, like a mime. You laugh like a mime. That's a terrible mime. Uh, that's, um, that's me doing a mime on a radio. Oh, no. Situation. So, uh, <laughs> go trip over a dog. Oh. Um, and the then, real dog. The Joe trips over Marty. Okay. Shutting up.